section fifty one of english literature by william j long this librivox recording is in the public domain chapter eleven the victorian age eighteen fifty nineteen hundred the modern period of progress and unrest when victoria became queen in eighteen thirty seven english literature seemed to have entered upon a period of lean years in marked contrast with the poetic fruitfulness of the romantic age which we have just studied coleridge shelley keats byron and scott had passed away and it seemed as if there were no writers in england to fill their places wordsworth had written in eighteen thirty five like clouds that rake the mountain summits or waves that own no curbing hand how fast has brother followed brother from sunshine to sunless land in these lines is reflected the sorrowful spirit of a literary man of the early nineteenth century who remembered the glory that had passed away from the earth but the leanness of these first years is more apparent than real keats and shelley were dead it is true but already there had appeared three disciples of these poets who were destined to be far more widely read than were their masters tennyson had been publishing poetry since eighteen twenty seven his first poems appearing almost simultaneously with the last work of byron shelley and keats but it was not until eighteen forty two with the publication of his collected poems in two volumes that england recognized in him one of her great literary leaders so also elizabeth barrett had been writing since eighteen twenty but not till twenty years later did her poems become deservedly popular and browning had published his pauline in eighteen thirty three but it was not until eighteen forty six when he published the last of the series called bells and pomegranates that the reading public began to appreciate his power and originality moreover even as romanticism seemed passing away a group of great prose writers dickens thackeray carlyle and ruskin had already begun to proclaim the literary glory of a new age which now seems to rank only just below the elizabethan and the romantic periods democracy historical summary amid the multitude of social and political forces of this great age four things stand out clearly first the long struggle of the anglo-saxons for personal liberty is definitely settled and democracy becomes the established order of the day the king who appeared in an age of popular weakness and ignorance and the peers who came with the normans in triumph are both stripped of their power and left as figureheads of a past civilization the last vestige of personal government and of divine right of rulers disappears the house of commons becomes the ruling power in england and a series of new reform bills rapidly extend the suffrage until the whole body of english people choose for themselves the men who shall represent them social unrest second because it is an age of democracy it is an age of popular education of religious tolerance of growing brotherhood and of profound social unrest 
the slaves had been freed in eighteen thirty three but in the middle of the century england awoke to the fact that slaves are not necessarily negroes stolen in africa to be sold like cattle in the marketplace but that multitudes of men women and little children in the mines and factories were victims of a more terrible industrial and social slavery to free these slaves also the unwilling victims of our unnatural competitive methods has been the growing purpose of the victorian age until the present day the ideal of peace third because it is an age of democracy and education it is an age of comparative peace england begins to think less of the pomp and false glitter of fighting and more of its moral evils as the nation realizes that it is the common people who bear the burden and the sorrow and the poverty of war while the privileged classes reap most of the financial and political rewards moreover with the growth of trade and of friendly foreign relations it becomes evident that the social equality for which england was contending at home belongs to the whole race of men that brotherhood is universal not insular that a question of justice is never settled by fighting and that war is generally unmitigated horror and barbarism tennyson who came of age when the great reform bill occupied attention expresses the ideals of the liberals of his day who proposed to spread the gospel of peace till the war drum throbbed no longer and the battle flags were furled in the parliament of man the federation of the world arts and sciences fourth the victorian age is especially remarkable because of its rapid progress in all the arts and sciences and in mechanical inventions a glance at any record of the industrial achievements of the nineteenth century will show how vast they are and it is unnecessary to repeat here the list of the inventions from spinning looms to steamboats and from matches to electric lights all these material things as well as the growth of education have their influence upon the life of a people and it is inevitable that they should react upon its prose and poetry though as yet we are too much absorbed in our sciences and mechanics to determine accurately their influence upon literature when these new things shall by long use have become familiar as country roads or have been replaced by newer and better things then they also will have their associations and memories and a poem on the railroads may be as suggestive as wordsworth's sonnet on westminster bridge and the busy practical working men who to-day throng our streets and factories may seem to a future and greater age as quaint and poetical as to us seem the slow toilers of the middle ages an age of prose literary characteristics when one is interested enough to trace the genealogy of victoria he finds to his surprise that in her veins flowed the blood both of william the conqueror and of serdic the first saxon king of england and this seems to be symbolic of the literature of her age which embraces the whole realm of saxon and norman life the strength and ideals of the one and the culture and refinement of the other 
the romantic revival had done its work and england entered upon a new free period in which every form of literature from pure romance to gross realism struggled for expression at this day it is obviously impossible to judge the age as a whole but we are getting far enough away from the early half of it to notice certain definite characteristics first though the age produced many poets and two who deserve to rank among the greatest nevertheless this is emphatically an age of prose and since the number of readers has increased a thousandfold with the spread of popular education it is the age of the newspaper the magazine and the modern novel the first two being the story of the world's daily life and the last our pleasantest form of literary entertainment as well as our most successful method of presenting modern problems and modern ideals the novel in this age fills a place which the drama held in the days of elizabeth and never before in any age or language has the novel appeared in such numbers and in such perfection moral purpose the second marked characteristic of the age is that literature both in prose and in poetry seems to depart from the purely artistic standard of art for art's sake and to be actuated by a definite moral purpose tennyson browning carlyle ruskin who and what were these men if not the teachers of england not vaguely but definitely with superb faith in their message and with the conscious moral purpose to uplift and to instruct even the novel breaks away from scott's romantic influence and first studies life as it is and then points out what life may and ought to be whether we read the fun and sentiment of dickens the social miniatures of thackeray or the psychological studies of george eliot we find in almost every case a definite purpose to sweep away error and to reveal the underlying truth of human life so the novel sought to do for society in this age precisely what lyell and darwin sought to do for science that is to find the truth and to show how it might be used to uplift humanity perhaps for this reason the victorian age is emphatically an age of realism rather than of romance not the realism of zola and ibsen but a deeper realism which strives to tell the whole truth showing moral and physical diseases as they are but holding up health and hope as the normal conditions of humanity idealism it is somewhat customary to speak of this age as an age of doubt and pessimism following the new conception of man and of the universe which was formulated by science under the name of involution it is spoken of also as a prosaic age lacking in great ideals both these criticisms seem to be the result of judging a large thing when we are too close to it to get its true proportions just as cologne cathedral one of the world's most perfect structures seems to be a shapeless pile of stone when we stand too close beneath its mighty walls and buttresses 
tennyson's immature work like that of the minor poets is sometimes in a doubtful or despairing strain but his in memoriam is like a rainbow after storm and browning seems better to express the spirit of his age in the strong manly faith of rabbi ben ezra and in the courageous optimism of all his poetry stedman's victorian anthology is on the whole a most inspiring book of poetry it would be hard to collect more varied cheer from any age and the great essayists like macaulay carlyle ruskin and the great novelists like dickens thackeray george eliot generally leave us with a larger charity and with a deeper faith in our humanity so also the judgment that this age is too practical for great ideals may be only a description of the husk that hides a very full ear of corn it is well to remember that spencer and sidney judged their own age which we now consider to be the greatest in our literary history to be altogether given over to materialism and to be incapable of literary greatness just as time has made us smile at their blindness so the next century may correct our judgment of this as a material age and looking upon the enormous growth of charity and brotherhood among us and at the literature which expresses our faith in men may judge the victorian age to be on the whole the noblest and most inspiring in the history of the world End of section fifty one